Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Chloe Talk. I am your host, Hella Chloe, and today we got a very cool guest from Phoenix. She's also based out of LA. She's a real estate agent. She also owns a CBD company, and more recently, she was featured on Love and Hip Hop. I think she might be like the first Khmer American on like Love and Hip Hop. Without further ado, here is uh, Miss Rada Darling. Did I say your name right? Is it Rada or Rada? It's Rada, but I answer to anything as long as you don't call me a bitch. <laughs> I like that. So my bad. So it's Miss Rada. How are you, Miss Rada? (laughs) I am good. You know, life is good. I can't complain. I get to wake up and see today. And that's all I can pray for every night when I go to sleep. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah, we've been like Instagram friends for like uh, a minute now. And I think this is like our first little conversation we had like face to face. So it's, it's pretty cool. Thank you for taking your time out of your day. To, to have a chat with me, you know? Yeah, no, thank you so much for reaching out and inviting me um, to your podcast. I've been watching you and following you for a while. Um, and of course, like everybody knows I'm into comedy. So um, I love to laugh. That's that's my thing is laughing. So um, one of my favorite skits that you did, or actually one of my favorite videos that you did was on YouTube. Um, and it was like the Justin Bieber uh, boyfriend song. Oh, <laughs> I thought thank it was you. just hilarious. Yeah. You like the blonde, the blonde wig? <laughs> I like the blonde wig on you. Yeah. It looks good. That's <laughs> yeah, a throwback right there. I appreciate you. And um tell our viewers and listeners uh where you're from, a little bit a little bit of background info on you. Yeah, so um, you know, just like any other Cambodian story, I mean, my family went through the killing fields, you know, Pol Pot and all that. Um, so they went through hell. I didn't get a chance to witness it or go through it myself. So all I can feel uh when it comes to that part of history and my family's history is to try to understand what they have gone through. And I can't fathom, you know, everything that has happened during that era. Um, but I came from a huge family of eight. We lost two during the killing fields. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sponsored from Thailand to uh, Ohio, actually, um, by a Christian family. And that's how we came to America. Um, and we migrated shortly to Long Beach, California, because that was where all the Cambodians were. That's where work was. Um, and, you know, we were kind of a part of the donut industry. You know, life was tough in Long Beach. I pretty much was watching and raising myself growing up because my mom and dad was busy out there trying to make money and keep us alive. Uh, my sisters got married off at a young age. Um, you know, of course, you get into the gangster life because that's all that was happening out there in the 80s, 90s. I'm telling my age, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had to get out of there because that was, just wasn't a way of living. And um, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and that's when my career started. You know, I worked in the corporate industry my whole life since college. And I was hustling. You know, I was going to school part-time. I had three jobs, um, being that my parents were immigrants and um, I'm out here, you know, trying to make it work because they don't know how to speak English. And everything that I've done was on my own. So like every dollar I've made, my first car, my clothes on my back, it, it was from myself 
just trying to make it work. And so I worked at a young age. The corporate world just wasn't for me. I did HR for a long time for a huge corporation and that just wasn't me. I just knew that wasn't it. And um, I'm a risk taker. So I'm willing to try anything once. If it doesn't work, then, you know, I go back to square one and try to brainstorm and figure out what's next. But honestly, I'm at a phase of my life where I've been through a lot just to make my life story short. You know, there's a lot of traumatic um, things that have happened or has happened in my lifetime to cause me to get to where I'm at today, where I'm living freely. I really don't care. I broke out of the box of, you know, having to live within the culture standards. And I honestly don't really care what people think of me today because I feel like I'm I'm here for one thing and that's just to live a great life and be happy. And I'm the only one living my life. Nobody else is. So, um, and it's hard, you know, being that I'm from a strict Cambodian background and my family is still old school. Um, it's, it was hard to date. It was hard to do anything out of their parameters. They wanted me to be a certain way. They wanted me to have a specific job and that just wasn't me. (laughs) So I was the rebel out of the family. Everybody went and got married. Uh, you know, what do they call that when arranged marriage? marriage. marriage, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We still, it's so crazy that it still happens today in America. Wow, yeah. I think my, my older like, brother had an, only one of my brothers had an arranged marriage. <laughs> and they really? had, they ended up staying together and still so they're that's they they actually worked out mm-hmm. so but That's good. I like, always thought it was weird other, though, arranged marriage. It is. Yeah. Like for for us within our I guess generation and I, I'm like the first first college graduate generation seeing the world Um, and knowing what I know and uh, just experiencing what I've experienced, I look at it differently than they do. And, you know, of course, I'm I'm not going to blame them for, you know, what has happened in my life. Mm. I'm glad that happened. It built who I am today. But it's just crazy to know that, you know, that still exists today in America where both my sisters were arranged. I was about to be arranged to some old guy in Texas that has a donut shop. Wow. <laughs> donut shops. Yeah. yeah. I was 16 at the time. Sheesh, 16. And, uh... I was 16. And my mom was like, you know what? There's this guy. He's in Texas. He has a donut shop. He can take care of you. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> so I I actually ran away for a few days. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I did. so Cambodians and donut shops were that like a thing in like Long Beach. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, a lot, yeah, a lot of my guests have been from Long Beach, and you know, I know mm-hmm. I totally get what you're saying about how, how it was like growing up in Long Beach. Like I always hear stories about like the gangs and stuff like that. How how tough it was to grow up in in Long Beach. But shout out to Long Beach. Today is still one of my favorite places to visit. I think it's a beautiful city, good people, good vibes, mm-hmm. and good food. <laughs> Especially my definitely. Food. Yes. And I, you know, I love Long Beach. Um, That's my hometown. No matter where I am, I still reference back to my Long Beach days because, you know, that's my roots. And it's so crazy. People think that because you look a certain way, you, you can't be from somewhere. 
And I'm thinking, how is that possible? Because I still like have that Long Beach in me. Like, I don't want to bring it out, <laughs> but I'll bring it out when I have to. Um, and, and, you know, they, they have like this prejudice against you just because of, of the way you, you look or the way you act. They discount everything you've been through in life. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Um, I was raised with nothing but black people in Long Beach. And I get a lot of discrimination, you know, of our interracial um, relationship that I know nothing about the culture. Why am I with this person or why am I with that? But you know what? Love has no color. Love has no face. It's just all about the connection to me. That, that was the type of place that I was raised in, like where color didn't matter. You know what I mean? And I, I think everybody has their own prejudice. Everybody has their own stereotypes. I'm not going to discount the fact that I don't myself because knowing when I had moved from Long Beach to Phoenix, going into a high school full of white people and I'm the only minority, it was different because white people were the minority in Long Beach, you know? Right, right. And I didn't speak English well going into this high school. I was used to speaking Cambodian. Yeah. And here's the craziest thing. You have Eastside Long Beach with nothing but Cambodians. It's now renamed to Cambodia Town. It's funny because people think automatically because you came at a young age, you're American. You speak English. And that's your first language. Hell no. Cambodian was my first language. Like I spoke that until I left Long Beach. And in Long Beach, it's just another Cambodia to me. Are you fluent? You go everywhere and they spoke Cambodian, right? Are you you fluent in Khmer? Yeah, I'm fluent. I mean, I'm a little rusty now since I've been in Arizona, but I'm still fluent. My mom speaks nothing but Cambodian. Um, But... Yeah, that's that's our main language at home. I wish I I wish I was fluent, but um, people think I speak good Khmer, but I'm, I'm I speak Khmer English broken. So, but uh, I'm trying to get <laughs> that's <better>. me. <laughs> so, really, I would think that you're fluent because you sing Khmer. Yeah, it's kind of like I just kind of like dig down deep and just try to remember what I you know learned growing up from what my parents say and just kind of you know just use it. And just kind of reenact type, you know, whatever their lectures were. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you get into real estate? Like I said, I was working in the corporate world for, gosh, 16, 17 years. And for the amount of hours I was working and the things that I was doing for this company, I'm thinking... What the heck? What am I doing? You know, and I know a lot of people. I have a lot of great contacts. So I had to find a way to get out of that um, bubble, you know, of, of thinking that this is the normal way of living, like wasting your time working nine to five and bringing only this much income in. I knew I wanted to make more money. And um, I I felt like I would be good at real estate because I knew, you know, the state like the back of my hands. Um, I knew the trends. I knew like what was happening, people coming, moving, moving into the state and, you know, being that it's, it was pretty fresh back then where it was um, a new ground for corporations to come in and knowing that corporations were moving in. Like I had to make a switch to try to 
you know, maximize that fi- financial side. And so I just went into real estate and I had no choice because, you know, I divorced. And during that time we had a business. We also let the business go because of the whole um, personal situation that I had. And, you know, being a single mother, um, I had to f- try to find a way to make ends meet. And that was the easiest for me because I already had the contacts um, and I knew I could make quick money. And that's how I got into real estate. And then real estate just, you know, brings you a different network of people. And I just started meeting different people. And, you know, I was uh, friends with a, a rapper for like a year or two who introduced me to Mike. Um, and, you know, Mike and I have been going strong since. And to those that and it's know, different. Mike, Michael Blackson, shout out to Michael Blackson. I'm a <laughs> big fan of him, by the way. I think he's hilarious. And uh, so uh, I, was, I was just about to ask you, um, how'd you meet Michael? Yeah, we met in Vegas, actually. Um, like I said, uh, Lil John's one of my uh, good friends. And he introduced me to him at one of his DJ sets at Hakkasan in Las Vegas, to be exact. And um, the funny thing is, I didn't know who he was. And <laughs> I... And I'm a big fan of of comedy. Wow. You know, I, I love to laugh. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> I just love to laugh. And um, he was just a fool. Like, he had all these white girls around him, and he was just a clown. And I even have, like, videos from when we first met. And he called me fried rice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we kind of hit off, like, um, we would talk here and there. I honestly didn't really know who he was. or Well, I still didn't know who he was Like when we started hanging out. I knew like he was somebody because people kept on coming up to him for pictures. Um, I, I think I started finding out who he was when I went to one of his shows in Phoenix, Arizona. He was like, hey, I'm having a show. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I'll come through. And... The funny thing is I was in the cannabis industry during that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have the stereotype. I'll be honest. Like, I think all Black people smoke weed. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it was more of like a business relationship for me because I thought he was funny. I loved hanging out with him. Like we were friends, whatever. So I was like, hey, let me come through. Let me bring this big bag of goodies for you. And I'm like, do you want to tour the facility? Cause we have like plants everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh uh, no, I'll pass. And I'm like, really? Like mm-hmm. that's the first time I've <laughs> heard like artists would come through to Phoenix and they want to pass on going through this tour where they can get all this flower. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I found out he doesn't smoke weed. He's a good boy. Actually. He doesn't like really drink. He, um, he just agreed for me to bring the stuff because he had friends who smoked. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I brought like a bunch of product, like bags of weed, um, concentrates, flowers, everything. Um, And then like, we just became really good friends. And um, that's when uh, we kind of took it to the next level and started hanging out a little more. But when I saw him on the stage, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is so funny. <laughs> I had no idea he was that funny. I thought he was funny, but I didn't think he was that funny. And <laughs> that's hilarious. what attracted me to him. Like, he's just so funny. So you so you said little, little John uh, introduced you, the, the rapper Little John? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a legend. <laughs> Big fan of okay. him too. Okay. Yeah. That, that okay. <laughs> Man, that was a it good was era. so funny was because. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's still the king of crunk to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, he he contributed to a lot of, you know, the down south uh, sound, you know, like, yeah, the king of crunk for sure. Yeah, those were good old days. We used to hang out in Vegas a lot, like me and my girlfriends, and we just met all kinds of people. So you were like part of like the Vegas nightlife or just something that you like to do as a hobby? Well, you know, I used to promote, I, I did a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Hustler. After, after my divorce, I was like going crazy because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I got married when I was really young because that's the thing with Cambodians. You have to get married to like be able to have sex, right? Right. So <laughs> I was like, all right, let me get married. Like, this is my second boyfriend of my entire life. I'm going to get married to him so we can like have sex. So after I like discovered myself and, you know, going through that marriage uh, and finding out who I truly was. Like, I just went crazy after I got the divorce. I was like, I'm living life. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not living for my family anymore. I've lived for them for how many years? You know, it's time to do me. And um, so I started promoting vodka in uh, Vegas for different clubs. And I met a lot of people and I liked doing it. It wasn't paying well, but I, I did it for the network. God, like I met so many people and that's when everything happened. Like everything just came to me without me expecting for anything. And, um, yeah, I dated a little bit before, uh, Mike. And I think like with us, it was more of a, I'm not ready for a relationship. I just got out of a long-term marriage and he's like recently out of a long-term relationship. And I don't think we like got serious until a year after our friendship. And he was like, I need you more in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, has he, has he tried any uh, Cambodian food yet? Like, have you given him any like Bahok or anything like that? (laughs) <laughs> no fuck yet <laughs> but he has a, a few cambodian food and i don't think he's really like a big fan of like the real cambodian food but he likes the fusion like um for example he eats salama too mm-hmm. but it's like a little fusion like it's more americanized salama <laughs> <laughs> um he what else is cambodian that i've cooked uh he likes um look lot mm. uh and that's pretty much it like he doesn't he doesn't really venture his taste buds mm. too far from what he already knows that cream, <laughs> that flavor <laughs> yeah, yeah what's, what's your but favorite so far he likes my cooking so you're a chef. So what's your favorite Khmer food? My favorite Khmer food has got to be the kruang. Oh my god! Oh. Just growing up, that was like my favorite. My Ooh. mom used to make the best salama um with catfish, Ooh. but I don't know. Like I guess your taste buds age with you because <laughs> that shit is so salty now. If you were to make it, oh, <laughs> uh, you talking about the salama yuan? Yeah, like salama yuan. Yeah. Oh my god. The best. My mom used to make the best foods, but now she's in her 80s and um, wow. she can't taste food anymore. Like it tastes like a bowl of salt. Yes. <laughs> so, so you say your, your cooking is better right now? 
<laughs> yeah, now, currently. currently. <laughs> My favorite is like Salama Chukurung, but I like uh I like I like the simple stuff too, like the comfort, like the steak and bahok, the intestines and bahok stuff like that. And like yes. uh, veggies, uh you know, Thai plant, you, know, you eat it with the <laughs> bahok veggies. That's the bomb. Mm-hmm. I make the best um Leo papaya salad, by the way. Oh yeah, the yeah, Laos, Laos papaya salad is one of the mm-hmm. best out there. I like the the spice. I like the little baby crabs that you use. Oh yeah, really Soft good. Crab. <laughs> yeah, that's the bomb. <laughs> I love spicy food. That's like my thing. Yeah, I, I like the it. Really funny spicy. thing is, yeah, really spicy. The funny thing is, African food is like very spicy too, and it's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah, like um, what did they? They have like this okra stew. Oh my god, it's so freaking good! And they try. use habaneros. Oh yeah, it's we habaneros use Thai kick. chilies. Yeah. Habaneros kick it has a but, kick. Yeah, yeah. They use habaneros, and it's like <laughs> it's it's spicy, and yeah. it's like a different taste. So freaking food, yeah. I got so I was it. I, I was surprised. African food, definitely. And you have to try the fufu. Yeah, I was about to mention fufu because like I. I don't know, man. I was on TikTok and I just started seeing it like a couple months ago. It was like a big trend. I want to try and fufu. I'm like, damn, where can I get some fufu? It looks good. I'm, I'm. If I could guess by the way it looks, it, it, it probably tastes like some kind of like salah salah kago or something. So like some, if if you were to compare, <laughs> it does look like that. Does it taste anything like that? Is it like uh, I don't know. I guess I have to try. I, there's a few, uh, there's a few African uh, restaurants here in New York, so I could try it. But it looks you good. will have to try it. Yeah, you mm. should try it. So try it with a stew because they put it inside the stew. Um, Goosey soup. I guess the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, I guess it's like supposed to be the base of what you use. Like you know how we use rice and soup. Mm-hmm. They do fufu and soup. I guess the best way to describe it is like kind of like tapioca. Like you know the masai. Um, what you call that? Yeah, boba or Mas- yeah tapioca. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like tapioca masai. Then you like. It tastes like that too. It has no taste to it, but I'm a texture person, so you have to be like a texture person to like it. Yeah, it go. Yeah, it looks like it goes good with the the soup. Yeah, it it goes really good with the soup. So, and I've always been a um, what you call a soup person. Like I really like pho. I yeah. like salami too. I like baba growing up. Yeah, all the good stuff. Oh, but every time I want good Cambodian food, I go to Long Beach. Yeah, Long Beach is the best, the best in the food. country. I, 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 yeah. yeah, I stand by that. Uh, well, it is I mean, Cambodia town. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, but the, 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 some of some of my Lowell friends will have uh, will say otherwise. But I, Lowell has good food too. But like Long Beach to me is like the best like Thai boat noodle, the best Phnom Penh noodle to me. But like Lowell has some good food too. They're probably wow. a close second. <laughs> I'll have I'll have to go visit uh, Boston. I heard there's a lot of uh, Cambodian population there too. They are also an official Cambodia town as well. Uh, they're like the, really? it's, it's only Long Beach and Lowell that are ha, has a whole band of the whole uh, statue and everything. So you definitely got to go visit Lowell. There's oh, like wow. a lot of Cambodian restaurants. I could name a, oh, I could wow. probably name five or six with you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I, nice. I, so I'll have to hit you up when I go there. Yeah, I'm not too far. I'm I like just want to go to hours eat. Away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe like, or if you're ever in like the East Coast, hit me up. We could probably like link up and stuff, and you know, eat some food. 
going on food crawls. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I can eat all day long. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I gained so much weight last month this- uh, for Khmer New Year. Uh-huh. I've been eating a lot of Khmer food when I was in Seattle last month and gained like 10 pounds. I'm trying to bounce back, but, uh, how was oh your new God. year? Do you celebrate Khmer New Year? I, you know, I try to. So I, I used to go to Long Beach to um, celebrate with them at uh, the El Dorado Park. Have you heard of that? Yeah. That's actually one of my first, <laughs> uh, like, out of state. That was my first time to go to Long Beach was El Dorado. And it was a great experience. I loved it. I loved it. Because you see all your people, the food. And they're celebrating, like, you know how Mexicans do Cinco de Mayo? That's mm. us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty much. It's like, we go ham and for Khmer New Year. We're like... I don't know about other other states, but like me being from Seattle, like Seattle Tacoma mm-hmm. people, we, we would celebrate every weekend in April. Like there's always a temple event or something, and there's always like yeah. some kind of you know, you know, what's it called a disco, like a like a, you know like a club event too, like every weekend. <laughs> so it's like, and there's a lot of casinos. There's always like Khmer Night Casino. They have like a whole theme Cambodian. Oh my god! Or something like a TLC. Sometimes, sometimes Thai Laos Cambodian will merge and we'll have like the whole casino freaking uh, dance floor. It's lit. <laughs> oh wow! I I have to go to one of those. Like I miss Washington, my events. Washington State, man. It's like I feel like uh, we're, we're top three as like uh as like one of the most Khmer populated uh, cities in America. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know like oh wow it goes Long Beach, Lowell, then Seattle. So I'm like, I feel like anyone that oh, needs to go that. visit Seattle, like it's, it's a really it's a really good place to visit. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, people say it rains all the time, but I feel like New York has rained more all year. I won't, like, yeah. you know, like, I feel like, you know, it's not, it's no longer the mo- most rainiest city. I think like Mobile, Alabama is, but you know, definitely, uh, mm-hmm. I always, uh, recommend going to Seattle. We get all four seasons and the Kamai community is kind of spread out, but it's, it's, it's dope when they have events. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to let me know when they have another event. I'd like to go and just check it out because I, gosh, I haven't been in touch with my roots since yeah. I left Long Beach. Hopefully uh, everything goes back to normal and um like yeah. we did two years in a row of like you know like quarantine like, I think this year like they were more loose you know they had like a capacity mm-hmm. there some temple events were open but like for the most part it's mm-hmm. virtual two years in a row so you know hopefully by next year we'll have like a normal my new year and I definitely want to hop hop to different cities like maybe different cities I've never been to like North Carolina or yeah. Florida or something that'd be cool yeah that would be cool it was it's so funny because um. You know, like whenever I go to these events, especially here in Phoenix, I don't know how it is in the East Coast, but maybe it's a West Coast thing. Like Khmer are like really tiny. So I feel like I'm a freaking Amazon when I because <laughs> I'm like always looking down. Yeah. So I've learned to wear flats when I go to these events. <laughs> oh, you're how tall are you, by the way? I'm I'm only five five, but when I have like um, yeah. heels on, I'm like five nine. Wow, you're, you're still taller than me. I'm like I'm like Tory Lane's height. I'm five three. Really? <laughs> yeah. I you know I don't know. My my dad has always been tall, so so I think I got the height from my dad because my mom is really tiny. She's like at my armpit, <laughs> and my brothers and sisters are all small. That's why I don't understand. I'm like, oh, why did I get so tall? Maybe because I was raised here in America and drinking all the cow milk. <laughs> oh, yeah, the milk. <laughs> yeah. I'm lactose. Exactly. I'm lactose intolerant, so I, I powder. Are East Coast Khmer's tall? Um, Actually, yeah. Some of them are. Like, yeah. They, I've I, I seen some tall-ass Philly Cambodians, man. This, 
this kid was like 16. He was like 6'6 six, six or something. He was like some Dang. basketball player. I'm like, damn, he, he going to the NBA. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have yet to see a Kamai guy that tall. And the funny thing is I've never dated a Kamai. You never? Never. Uh, never. I, would would, would you just never met one or would you be down to date a Cambodian or is it just like you're just not into them or? Okay. Honestly, like people are knocking on my relationship because of how Mike is, like how how he has so many women in his life. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're giving Kamai a bad name. I'm like, what does my personal have uh, relationship have anything to do with the Cambodian community? Right, like right. I am who I am. Like, my people and are like, like quick to I judge. Like. They always judge. They always, that's like yeah. the old way of thinking. Like, you know, like. You know, like I get those comments sometimes. They're like, "You're making us Khmer people look bad." I'm like, "Dude, I'm doing comedy. How am really? I making doing? How am I making Khmer people look bad? Like, you know, if I'm doing like parodies how or something like that, funny. like, I'm like, yo, shut up." If anything, you're putting them on the map. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're like those people, are, like so miserable, like those, comment. like those type of comments are like people that hate themselves. You know, like I'm not bothering oh, nobody. Definitely. I'm I'm entertaining. My job is to make people laugh, and that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, and you are entertaining. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm. I'm trying to be the Cambodian Michael Blackson. <laughs> no, nah, he's hilarious. So one, maybe one day I could do uh, stand up, but I think that's a whole different skill. That's like a gift, you know, to, to do stand up. Just like oh my God. off top, off the it's rip. Tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I. I feel like stand. I never knew how hard stand up is until, you know, I met with I met Mike and um and kind of understood like how how he does it and it's it's a tough job but um yeah it's it's funny because and here's the real reason why i've never dated a kamai guy growing up i've seen my brothers and my dad um they're i mean the culture is very similar to africans honestly like a kamai guy in cambodia can have five legs and it's no problem um my mom always knew my dad had girlfriends, you know, and um, he like for her, is, the fact is they're, they're married, they have kids, and that's just how men are. That's how I was brought up and grown up to, to feel like that's just how men are, you know, and um, of course, I don't believe that, uh, but I don't know. Just seeing my brothers and my dad, how they treat women. And I'm not saying they treat women badly, but it's just, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> like, I'm not discriminating. I'm not saying that I would never. Mm. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, they're different. <laughs> and they're controlling, very possessive. And I'm again, I'm not... Put, it's not a blanket statement. I'm not saying that all my men are, right. but it's just from what I've seen, okay. you know, and, and with my cousins' relationships with their men and what I'm hearing, and I'm like, oh, God, like a, like like a, do a I really abusive, want to deal like with that? Verbally abusive. I've seen it, too. I know what you're talking about. So, it's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I just never really dabbled in that way. And plus, like, I don't think my guys are really into me, honestly. Um it's more so I get a lot of Samoans, black guys mainly. They're probably just and, intimidated. Uh, they probably just fear rejection or something. They probably probably get some that are <laughs> I I don't know what yeah. it is, but 
but I've never attracted to my guys. Like it was always white, black, everything else, but my, um, actually, you know, like I'm sitting here thinking about, it, I'm like, I've never been approached by any Asians period, except Filipinos. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never been approached. Like even when I'm in Long Beach, like nobody talks to me. Wow. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just never dated a my, my guy before. Tell me the story on how, how you went on love and hip hop. Like how'd that happen? Like what's that? Take me on that journey. It was the craziest thing. Um, I, you know, like I know we knew a lot of people, but, uh, that was like the last thing I would ever want to be on to be quite honest with you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why is that? You know, like the history of it. Like I just didn't, you, you just never know what you're getting yourself into based on what you see. And, mm. you know, I don't know what's real and what's not, but based on, um, the the looks of it is like you know do I really want to get myself into it um and we were broken up actually for a few weeks and I think it just was a sign for us to get back together like I don't know I honestly don't know how it came about it just fell in our laps basically out of the blue um, and they were like, yeah, we want you on couples therapy. And I'm like, I don't, not, not couples therapy retreat is how they uh, market it to us. And I was like, oh, you know, it's a vacation. Maybe we can get some closure, you know, to our relationship, um, and keep it moving. And then they said, yeah, there's going to be like some kind of specialist that's there to help with your relationship, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, all right, like, you know, it sounds fun. It sounds like it's a vacation. I need a vacation. So let's do it. Coming on the show, it was like very different. As you guys can see, um, there's real specialists coming in to help you <laughs> fix your relationship. I'm like, are you trying to fix it? Or um, And then I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything from right. last night's show, but if you watched it, you know, you know why we kind of, had to try to keep it together. And so, um, so I felt like everything was a sign, like the news of me is our personal news. And then all of a sudden, like this whole couple's retreat, I'm like, where the hell did this come from? Um, and that's how we got on. How does it feel to see yourself on like TV? You know, like, I think it's cool to have like a Kamai on, on, on like mainstream media, you know, I think, uh, whether it be a reality show or not, but it's, I think it's really yeah. cool. So I was, did, did you feel different or did you feel like, well, I'm on TV or was it was just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's just like, whatever. Um, because, you know, I'm not really bringing awareness to anything, but, <laughs> but a lifestyle, you know, was a little hesitant with, airing our personal stuff on there. But I felt like, you know, in today's society, a lot of people don't talk about what needs to be talked about. And um, I feel like it's a chance for me to bring it out in the open. Like people are doing it. People have threesomes all day long. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm Cambodian. Um, I'm not supposed to be doing that because it's not in our culture. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what do Cambodian women know about having sex with another woman, like, you know, but honestly, like, I, I feel like we're in 
more of an open type of um, era where we should be talking about things that are tough to talk about. We should be um, having these discussions like, is it right or is it wrong? Or, you know, is there a right or wrong? Because what is life? And that, that's been my journey this whole time. Like, what exactly is life? What is happiness? Um, is happiness making my family happy? Living for my family and disregarding my own happiness? It's like a lot of self-discovery. And so, so for me, I feel like, you know, it was cool that these things were getting brought up and talked about and um, not shunned upon hmm. because what you do behind your closed doors is your business. But at the same time, if people are aware and you can give tips and you can help someone who's going through the same thing through it, then I feel like I've done my job, you know? And I know it's something stupid, but I know that I can have like (laughs) threesomes in this way to where I can make my husband happy. Like we wouldn't be divorced. (laughs) Like he wouldn't have a need to cheat on me, you know? And what's the number one thing that happens all day long in marriages is infidelity. And finance is the other, but majority is infidelity. I mean, if you can spice it up, spice it up. Keep the marriage together, you know? And that's just the way I look at things. And, you know, um, it's different. And I know, like, a lot of women don't agree. Um, I do get a lot of DMs and I get a lot of backlash. But I am who I am. Like, I I can't change that. And you have to go through a lot in life to be where I am today. And I feel like I'm at a good place because I went through all of that. There's a lot that happened in between that nobody knows. It's funny because people would think, oh, maybe she has a low self-esteem. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, this is my happy, you know? And I can't explain that. Like I, I went through this journey where I'm like, what makes me happy? You know? And you question that and you go through the spiritual journey and that's what it was. It was something like spiritually that I went through and I broke through it and I'm at, at the place I want to be. And not a lot of people can say that they can get there in a lifetime because a lot of people search for that special place. I'm going to say that I found it. This is my special place and I'm happy, you know? Love and it. nobody will understand that but me. Do what makes you happy, you know? Exactly. And it's funny because, like, you know, us Khmer, we we always think about what other people think. Um, we do everything for our parents. And you know what? My mom's in her 80s. My dad passed in 93. Um, people my age are passing away for no reasons mm-hmm. and Sad. it's like when are when is it going to be your turn to be happy when is it your turn to live yeah i think we spend most of our life trying to please our parents and stuff now yeah that's like the old way of thinking we gotta we gotta do what makes us happy we, whatever right. it is you know whatever whatever that makes us happy and not care about mm-hmm. what what people think of us you know like you know i mean like all that gossip you know we were like the king of gossip so like wow oh yeah i hope i hope you know like that needs a change and that you know that 
you got to get rid of that judging or that, you know, comparing to other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, look, they're doing good. Oh, God. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, like my mom would always compare me to other kids. They're like, oh, look at them. They have they have a 4.0. I'll be the first to admit it. I'll a C student. Yeah, I barely passed high school. <laughs> I just did enough to get by. As long as I wasn't getting a D or an F, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I feel it. Shoot. So what are your like uh what are your future plans and like long-term goals? Miss Rada? Uh, my long-term goals, you know, to be quite honest with you, I don't have one. I used to have one. And then I used to think about my short-term, five-year, 10-year, 30-year goal. But now the way I live is just by the moment. I, I enjoy it as it were my last. And um, each day is a new day for me. Um, I have no expectations. Um, and I found that it's just so nice to live without any exp- expectations. I don't have any stress. Um, I don't, you know, of course, like you have to be responsible, right? Um, you have to be financially set to be able to um, do what you want to do in life and live this way. But at the same time, like I don't stress about where what I'm going to be doing in my next five to 10 years of life. Because all I know is as long as, you know, I'm enjoying it, that's going to be the goal. It's just to be happy, enjoy my life, do what I need to do. Just being able to um, give my immediate family what they need and take care of them. And then as long as like we're happy together, that's all that matters to me. I don't have any expectations. I'm just here to have fun, you know? And if it happens, it happens. But on the show, it shows otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to catch up on the show. So, yeah, yeah. we're not, we're not well, here not for a long time. We're here for a good time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny. It's supposed to entertain. So, hopefully, it did its how, job. <laughs> how much of it is reality, and how much of it is it scripted? I, I, I just want to have some like uh, entertainment industry questions for people that may even oh, wonder the um, same. Well, I mean, it's reality. Mm-hmm. But what's reality? <laughs> and that's all I'm <laughs> <You're> going <right>. to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. Shoot. Arada, thank you so much for this great conversation. I learned a lot about you. Yes. And um, shoot, do you have any shout outs or you want to promote anything? Shout out to my uh, boo thing, Mike. Um, he's out in Africa right now. Thank you so much. Hella Chloe. Shout out to uh, Michael For having Black me soon. on. I've been watching you. <laughs> shout out to you. Appreciate you. And um, shoot, if uh, you know, let me know if Mike does a, like a comedy yeah. show out here. I'll go, I'll go support. Like, yes, definitely. Yeah. I'll let you know when we're out east and um, come to the show and hang out. That'd be dope. I would love to meet him. I'll be. I'll probably be like be a fanboy. Like, <laughs> that'd be so dope. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm not gonna hold you. I appreciate your time, and I'll see you at the top. Okay, you too. Have a great day. Thanks you so too. much for this.